Change will come to those who have no fear. But I am not her. You never were the kind who kept a rule book near. Burned me like a pair of thieves, tumbled locks and broken codes. Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And tonight we're doing True Detective, episode 207. It was uh, called Black Maps and Motel Rooms. Uh, the director was Daniel uh, Tais, or Tias, and the writer was back to just old Pizzolatto. Um, bro, I'm going to give you the opening chance because uh, I can't wait to hear what you thought about this. Oh, I loved it. Best episode of the season? No doubt. Um, and by far, best Vince Vaughn we've seen all season? Amen. And keep preaching, keep preaching. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. I know it's a whole lot to take in in one episode, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it, dude. Did this episode not? I feel like it kind of proves the naysayers away that this was like a culminating episode. Just like we remember the last episode, we talked so much about we were hoping for that and uh, we weren't going to be underwhelmed. I think this is that really, really good episode right before the ending. It's going to show you that the the payoff we've been waiting on is really going to come home and make this a good season. Oh, absolutely. I, I They've even surprised me. Like I said, with the Vince Vaughn character, I had no idea it would go that dark and him go straight Michael Douglas falling down style, just oh, yeah. burn the place down. You Abs- know? Man, I was, dude, I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, literally, I was propped up just wanting to pump my fist. I was like, so excited to see him go into this element. That's, that's him. That was finally Vince Vaughn, serious drama actor, showing his chops and becoming a part of the other group that has done really well the rest of the season. Absolutely. And you see why Ossip said he was a, a mother in the 90s or whatever. You know, this was a real badass because you could see this. He was hard, very hard. Oh, yeah. He, he wasn't playing. It was. It was really refreshing to see him step up the way he did. And I thought he kind of stole the show for the entire episode. Oh, no, I give it totally to him. And, you know, the other characters did great, too. Other than some strange, awkward silences between Annie and Ray towards the end there. Yeah. uh, Before they got into the motel bed. But, I mean, other than that, I was fine. Yeah, and I want to give props to the director. I noticed some very cool differences in direction this episode. You know, the even you're talking about that scene right here, the really cool close-ups and the music and uh, the way they went. How about the slow-mo of the glass hitting the face and some different things that oh, we yeah. haven't seen in the last seven episodes um, that I really, really appreciate. It was a good, it was a good change. No, they did fantastic. Um, let's give a few shout outs, man. I'm really pumped. Guys, like I said before, we, we keep doing this because we want this to be a fan base show and we really appreciate all these really wonderful comments we're getting via email and Twitter and our, um, what do you call it? Our evaluations are moving up slowly and we're really appreciating every one of them. And, and this week I wanted to give a shout out to a, a guy named Norton JT Nielsen. Um, first of all, thank you for your service. He's a part of the U S army and he was tweeting us all last night and talking about how great the show is. Of course he had to go ahead and uh, throw my brother under a bus and let him know that our gay lover wild card theory was toast. 
and uh, zero said, yeah, it was uh, it was dead like the exit wound from his head, um, as well as Boo. you know. So we appreciate you, uh, Mr. Nielsen, as well as we really appreciate the review we got from a um, guy named Major Wave. Uh, had some very positive comments, and we really appreciate it. And that's the reason we do this, and hope we continue getting those. But uh, bro, I said we get right into this rundown. I'm gonna buzz through it because we got a lot of information to save. Sensory yeah. overload. Lots of unpacking. Oh, there ain't no doubt. Of course, the opening credits, they changed again. You notice the pictures, they changed order this time. Um, and they look clearer. Yeah, they had a little a little bit different. I, I didn't trial much into it because we've seen them change a lot of stuff all the time. But this time it was more distinctive that the pictures were out of order. Because like Ray was usually in the very opening and his was towards the end. You know, that really cool one where his eyes kind of open and you see the white of his eyes. The one yeah. I wanted you to look for, the Elliot was first. Yeah, it's like with the people standing in the water. Exactly. Yeah. So they really shook it up, um, and so that was pretty neat. But of course, it started out with Motel and Paul's going through all the documents and he's getting all the information of all these dummy corporations. Um, then we have a situation of Annie and Ray in the room, and she's talking about how she effed up and the things have gone power. And then this odd comment by Ray is like, "You roll a joint for you." I mean, just out of left field. Uh, I, I didn't understand this. No, that's just a anxiety. He was just trying to calm her down. Yeah, it just. Didn't seem like a fit, but that was just me. But anyway, um, she she blurts out this little comment going, you know, I ran out of the woods before they found me. And he was like, what? And she's like, what? Nothing? What? You know, I, I'm guessing we're going back to the whole deal where she, you know, evidently was molested as a child and started. Remember what we talked about there later? Evidently was in the woods for four days. That's, uh, that's serious. Yeah. Um. Then we go back to where Paul and Ray are talking, and they go over the documents, and they talk about Osip, and you learn his last name, and they and his like Iron Eagle or Eagle something was the name of his phony company that was buying up um, shares, as well as Tony Gisani's fake company. Um, I forget what it's called, something Electrolux or uh, anyway. Long story short, when Casper died, they sold off his shares for pennies on the dollar. And these guys are just taking up everything. Um, and they talk about how this could give some motive and get rid of him out and get more shares. And so it was, it was starting to show you a little bit of the unravel of what the documents brought to the table. Um, and then suddenly uh, Paul gets this random text, um, you know, with the course pictures of him and old, what's the guy's name, Miguel? What was that his Miguel. name? And, uh, of course, that kind of shakes him a little bit. Um, did you think that this was um, Dixon's pictures? Yeah. I mean, I, they I mean, the blatantly only, showed it. Yeah, I mean, the only that you saw Dixon taking pictures of him earlier that one time when he was at the dirt bike place, but um, I didn't – it didn't really hit me until much later. And, of course, when they told us, you know, it was him. But I never put that two to two together. I thought there was another player involved. I thought we were going to meet something, a new angle on the story, you know. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, you know, then it moved on to Frank sitting there playing cards by himself or gambling by himself right there at the table. Jordan walks in and basically just says, you know, hey – what do we got? Can we walk away? And Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> See me managing an Applebee's. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that made me think of Better Call Saul. You believe that? You know, with the whole, you know, oh, hey, maybe uh, he should go to Nebraska or something, you know. Yeah. You know he's managing a, what was it, a Baskin Robbins or an ice cream joint in that show. What, is that what it was? Like it an was, ice cream it's joint? It's the um, Cinnabon. Yeah, Cinnabon. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it immediately popped in my mind, you yeah. know. 
anyway, um, they uh, he she she he lets her know that hey, there's gonna be some new people in the club. You know, some the Mexicans, some things are changing. Be on the lookout. Be prepared. <laughs> he said, "Why not add another orifice and fuck myself?" <laughs> oh God, we, we ain't even got that yet. <laughs> God, yeah, we ain't even got there. Calm down over there. Um, and then we got this weird Paul and Emily in the car. You know, and he's heading out to a motel and get her safe. It was really kind of a weird, the cinematography like that. You know, it's like the car was not even moving. You know, they were just kind of sitting there. You know, kind of got that feel of like an 80s movie where the, the background's playing, but they're sitting in a car still. Did you, <laughs> did you notice that at all? Not really. I I was more focused on what they were saying. And, and if you always look at Paul, I mean, he just looks like he is so constipated and just wow. sweaty and... He he looks like he's on death's doorstep all the time. Like I'm one slip of banana away. Yeah, know? he is. He just he's bottled up so much yeah. that he is just like a time bomb, you know. <sighs> and it's just pouring out of him. He's just uh, yeah. He like he's like he's vibrates, you know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the man's wound. There ain't no doubt. Um, Annie's talking to her sister. Uh, he tells her it didn't go good. Things are bad. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of here now. Get somebody else to pack your crap. Go find dad. Y'all get away. I'll help you. I'll get you money. You know, and you can see the real fear. And, and is it Athena is her name? Yeah. You know, and you can really see the fear in her eyes. And um, it, it was a good little scene there. You know, it showed that the, the, this was serious. This was going to be real. And she cop cleaned the fact that she... She had been to the parties before, you know, because she asked her to go all the way, and she said no, but then she asked her, did you, you know, and she didn't respond, really. Mm-hmm. So, we know that she'd been to the party, we know Annie knew that she'd been to the party. So. Yeah, and so you, you knew what the extent of that little fling was, so, yeah. mm. um, of course... It goes back to a quick shot of Paul, and he's opening the motel for Emily, and his dear old <laughs> mommy is there. I mean, really? I mean, I thought this was going to go real bad. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, I wouldn't have been upset if you see somebody drive by the trailer and mow a few thousand rounds into it, and mommy's Swiss cheese on the inside. It might have been a little gratifying. Yeah. And the what do we eat room service? This looks like. A bogus ass motel. Uh, what room service is coming to this motel? <laughs> I mean, we, I've heard of Motel Eight, Motel Six. This is definitely like a Motel Two, maybe. This, you know. <laughs> this is Motel cracked in. Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And then the whole idea: don't leave the room. Two people who have never met, don't know each other. As far as we know, we don't. And he knows how volatile his mom is. Yeah, and then what she knows, what could she say? Yeah. I, I didn't... Nah. This is, a, this is a catastrophe. Poor decision. Yes. Uh-uh. Um, it goes back to Ray and Frank, and they're talking about details, and we have a name, and, you know, it's... You know, back and forth at the poker table. You know, somebody once said, I was reading something on an article, and it made sense. I bet you if somebody took a slideshow and took a still picture of every time you had two characters who were sitting in front of each other at a table or a dark room or something like that, how many pictures would you have so far this season? It, it's got to be like 
Yeah, it's plenty. Yeah, over the top. Because I mean, you can think about it. How many times we were at the bar with two people talk? How many times we were at the casino table? How many times we were at Frank's table at the house? I mean, there's just well, so many one-on-one important dialogues here. I'd rather edit together all the scenes of people sitting across from each other not speaking. <laughs> and just be like a two-minute run. Stare down. <laughs> of yeah. just stare downs. Yeah. <laughs> what kind Odd of faces can we get? Yeah. Sweating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he tells them, you know, hey, you got my name or the guy who gave you the bad info. He says, give him at the end of the day. You know, I'll have it to you. Um, this is where Ray- he explains to Frank, though. It's Blake. Um, he's been working for a guy named Ossip. Yeah. And, you know, they're moving in on your shit, running girls and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and you see Frank, like, you can just see him, like, grr. You, you know, he's melting internally. And, he, and you know, I love the line. He's like, walk yourself out. I got to sit here and digest this or, you know, or, or absorb this or whatever. I, and I, was, I, I enjoyed it. That was like, I, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. You know, I deal with crap all day with, you know, and when sometimes you get some done talking to somebody who, you know, unfortunately is not as educated as you hope they would be in the situation, and you just sit there and you're like, I, I just tear my leave. desk in half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or you sit there and go, wow, I just wasted four minutes of my life talking about nothing, you know. And you could tell he he wasn't surprised by Blake, but when the awesome name dropped, he was like, Super yeah. pissed also. Well, it just goes to show you he was never going to be in the deal from the get go. So he's played from day one. Oh no, yeah. His entire plan was to run Frank out. Yeah. Um then as Ray's walking out, he makes a phone call and he's he wanted to check in on information about cops that worked at a precinct, you know, back in ninety two. And so you can definitely see where his angle is and what he's looking for. And then it goes, cuts back to Annie and her sister, and they Well, hang on, wasn't he looking into, or was that, who looked into, or who arrested Arita, or whatever her name was? Um, Did Paul look into that? No, it was, um, it was Ray. Wasn't yeah, it, Ray? it was Ray. Exactly. And that's what he called about, too, right? Wasn't that? I think so, yeah, he was looking at because he's the one who had that information when they get together later on. Right, because he wanted to know who was the arresting officer for when they found her with the pawn stuff. And ends up she just left, you know, no booking, nothing. Yeah. Which is where they obviously set it up for her to have the goods. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there's no... It, yeah. it was like confirming what we already kind of knew. Right, right. Um, Annie's sister are looking at pictures, and um, and they were talking about, hey, you know, I go... Um, Annie and the sister. What's the Vera. Vera, yeah. Uh, not not her sister. Picture. And they were asking about Tasha, and she explained to her that Tasha was trying was getting dirt to try to blackmail Casper and Tony, and that she didn't want nothing to do with it, and told her she was a dummy, and this was going to get her killed, and that's eventually what happened. And she even tells them that Tony and her crew took her, and while they were at this fancy, you know, another love shack, you know, cabin out in North uh, California, they just took her out in the woods, and she never came back. And so that gives you the correlation that that was who was killed out there um, where that crime scene was we talked about. And that's what we and I figured either, because they gave you the connection of the whole gonorrhea um, and since Ben had it and of course you can assume his girlfriend probably had it um, that it was Tasha so that just kind of confirmed that you know Tasha's demise was not very pretty right um, 
And then they noticed the other girl in the picture because there was three girls in the picture. And this is where um, Vera tells her, yeah, that's the other girl, Laura. And what? And she's like, was she a player? And she's like, no, she wasn't dumb. She was like, you know, she wasn't going to make a stupid decision like that. Like she was more cunning and um, methodical and different things and but was aware of everything that was going on. And, um, and, of course, you know, we learn later that they make that correlation that Laura is potentially the Laura orphan child from the Diamond Heist. Uh, and they explore more of that later. Um, Paul is at the um, Hall of Records, and he's looking on the computer. And this is where we get the real... Um, the true beginning of what he's dealing with and the characters we're dealing with is corruption. He notices that in 92, there was the police officers involved in the area and in that sector and so on are names we know. You know, you've got Burris and Dixon, and then you got Hollowell, you know, which is now the chief, and then you got Casper, which was the... Um, I forget what it's called. It was like internal affairs, but no, it's like an internal auditor for the police or the city, and it was of all their inventory. And so you can make the correlation that if two of these cops or three of these cops came in, robbed the jewelry store, you know, and then you use Casper as somebody who gets the evidence out, you know, it was all a big plot and plan. Um, it makes total sense. And so it shows you where all this corruption and dirty cops all the way back to 92 came from. Did you notice anything else out of that? Not really. I mean, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast. I'm still a little dicey on who exactly robbed, you know, what we know Burris was involved. That's pretty much a given, I think. And we, well, I mean, we, really, we know they were all involved. In some I, capacity. I want to know who the two shooters were, basically, right. in, the, in the thing. Which me, me, personally, I think it was Burris and Dixon. Um, but it makes you wonder, you know, in their current state, why is Dixon not... Was he, why wasn't he at the same level as the others? Yeah, and, but, they, you know, they played Dixon off as a degenerate. He looked, you know, filthy and sweaty and drunk. You know, maybe he had a gambling problem yeah, or a lot of things happened you know. in 22 years yeah you know. i mean so you know that's one thing but definitely let you know that your vinci pd is some real scumbags and oh, they're yeah. at the center of most of this corruption and they're at the center of the diamonds you know along with casper so it gives you some really really good background i really appreciated this part of the episode you know it really made a kind of a full circle connection to a lot of your characters they've been showing you um then Man, the beginning of the highlight of the episode for me is Frank sitting there and Blake walks in and, you know, and he gives him the old 15,000. And of course, what's the line he he told him? Uh, new orifice. Oh, man. I want to give myself a new orifice to... Uh, Fuck myself for a change. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. And, you know, of course, he gives him 15 grand. Good night, a little private thing with some girls and so on. And then he, he doesn't waste no time. He lets him know, you're a cocky, arrogant piece of crap, you know. Otherwise, you would never come in this room. Exactly, you know. And uh, he gives him all of it, you know. And I was just like, hell yes. This is what we've been waiting on. This is the culmination. So then he starts, and then he comes over there and sits with that, and then smokes him with that glass of, I'm guessing, scotch or whatever it was. 
really loved the slow-mo, the destruction against the face and the whole nine yards. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. I, it looked like practical effects to me. I'm assuming that was a dummy head. You know, we hope. <laughs> just awesomely done. I mean, I guess they could have done it with candy glass, but it still would have been a hell of a strike against someone's face. Man, know? it was impressive. It was just really, really impressive. And then this is one thing. You had this amazing scene, right? And then this is what kills me. It jumps away from this to Ray driving out into this middle of nowhere industrial area to meet, um, what's her name? Davis was her name? April Davis? Yeah, something like that. And uh, the special investigator who gave him all this authority and pulls up. She's got what looks like what looks to be there a couple stab wounds or a few rounds in the chest, and she's toast. But I thought it was just a red scarf at first. Dude, <laughs> yeah, me neither. I mean, I was is like, Escott? why uh. is she not talking? Why is she not blinking? And then I was like, oh, yeah, she yeah. ain't doing so good. Yep. And then it was a beautiful. I mean, he gets in, he opens the car door, he touches stuff, and then he flees in the car door. I mean, I was like, this was a perfect frame job. Oh, I like how realistic it was, too, because he got in there and he looked at it and he was, shit, he just seemed yeah. to fly out of the <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, he's like, get out, get out. <laughs> and then it was a really cool shot. Like, you know, you they had to get the camera up on a crane or like that, that whole, you know, the, the 360. Oh, yeah, stuff. him peeling And then it. you notice they. They flash back to um, Davis, and you see the dust even get up onto her because he left the door open. Attention to detail was money right there. Yeah, yeah. I was really appreciating that. Uh, kudos to the director and you know having that hindsight there. Um, and then it cuts right back to Frank and Blake, and Blake's face is you know foobar and you know meatloaf, and um, he grabs him, shoves him against the wall, and starts. You know, beating the mess at him a little bit, and it gets more information at him. Lets him know that he was he was going to get screwed no matter what by Casper, even if he was still alive. Um, Osa was always going to take over. Uh, you can't be mad at me. I was making moves like you taught me. And then you know the whole the whole Stan thing. We finally got a culmination of who killed Stan and why. And uh, it was another. I mean, like I said, this was just. Great. I mean, we're within ten minutes. We're learning so much about the episode and filling so many gaps of plots, and and then he talks about, hey, I can get you back money. But how about this line? How about, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, some people I've noticed and don't really like it. He goes, look into my eyes. I want to see you when the lights go out. You know, yeah. and I was like, heck yeah. And then you see him lift him. You know, raise a beast. You know, of course he goes right back to dropping him like when I can get your money and so on. Yeah, but you know Vince Vaughn kept the look the entire time. You know the camera was right there. He he played the part. I was really impressed uh, from start to finish on this. So Blake split a lot. He it was just some crackhead that he gave. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Talk um, raised you know, guy. Raised yeah. guy. Just a meth head that owed him money and said he was going to come after him. Yeah. So. And he used it as a step up. Basically, he said to get Frank on the map or something like that. Yeah. Or to get Frank so, some I mean, recognition. No, well, I mean, that and get you get uh, Frank a dirty cop. That's a good way to say you're loyal to him. All right. And then he drops the ball that Osip has bought the leases or he's bought the leans, leans on, on the on clubs. Poker room in the clubs. Um, so he's going to take those over out from under you. Um, that's attempt to triple cross Frank. Uh, 
you you don't let that. So I knew he wasn't walking out of that room. <laughs> no. I was like, hmm, is he going to keep beating the crap out of him? Is he going to struggle him? Or are we going to have some kind of blunt object or something? Or is Nails going to put some nails yeah. into I was like, Nails, join the party. Just yeah. nail him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I knew. I knew that he wasn't walking out of there. I knew Frank was going to do his do him in as soon as he was confirmed that killed Stan. I mean, that was a done deal. Plus, yep. you go in the rest of the icing on the cake. It was, yeah, he wasn't walking out. And the fact that he's saying Stan was trying to blackmail him into getting some cash. So, I think it was kind of saying that Stan was approached as well. Yeah, I don't believe it. I think he was trying to say that, but maybe, like you're saying, like maybe Stan was approached by OSIP and all them to be bought, and he couldn't be bought, and so he had to go. And Blake did it to show that he was a player for OSIP and other ones. I, that's kind of what I thought originally. Or maybe Stan was just like, oh, OSIP's coming to buy people. Well, I'll just go at Blake and say, hey, I'm going to tell Frank unless you give me a cut of yours. And I look clean. Because I'm not taking money from most, you know. Yeah, I mean it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of different variables there, but ultimately Blake killed him because he got noticed and they couldn't come up with an exchange that makes right. sense. He also lets him know that there's going to be a cash drop, twelve million between Catalyst and OSIP, and this is going to happen the next day in the location and the whole nine yards. Cash well, drop, plenty of security. Exactly, you it's know. just a handoff, you know. Yep. And so it gives you the setting of our season finale. There's no doubt. Oh, yeah. Um, it goes back to Annie, and she's discussing Elliot, and they're looking at this picture again of them at the river, you know, at the riverbank and so on. And he has some cool lines. He's like, you know, hey, these people are just passing through. We, you think you share the same intentions, but everybody blurs it. These are these are the times that was our shadows of our best intentions, and it was some really cool, you know, little dialogues there. And uh, and she kind of lets him know, hey, I finally remember the man's face, the guy who had me in the woods for four days. And David Morrison kind of you know starts crying and says, you know, I wasn't going to be my dad and be strict, and I wasn't going to be that person and f this world and f that. Yeah, it's know? all gone to shit. Yeah. And um, are you surprised that David Morris's character Elliot didn't have more to do with this season? I'm still not 100 percent that he doesn't have more to do. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is just there's a lot of coincidences in the fact that the Chassanis and Pitler were at his, you know, yeah, his, convent, yeah, yeah. and there. I mean, there's other ones too. You know, the fact that that ties Annie to this case. You know, the fact that Frank got read information on a rapist that ties Ray to the case. Paul being tied to Black Mountain people that. Yeah. All of a sudden, become into the Catalyst group. Tons of coincidences. There's a lot of little coincidences that you have to just overlook a little bit, you know. You know, when you put it in that kind of perspective, it's it's it's, it's thin. It's yeah, very thin. It's uh, it's a touch much. Yeah, and like I said, I think the show would have uh, you know got a little boost if it had one or two fewer characters. I agree, and maybe. Maybe you have one character who's not so daggum complex as every character is here. 
I mean, I don't think Annie's that complex, and I don't think Ray's that complex. Well, you think about it. I mean, we're talking about a girl who has some kind of weird deviance when it comes to sexual appetite. Knives. Mother was suicide. Father was the head of a, some really strange commune. Sister is into, you know, some type of porn and not and doing these parties. And there's a lot of going on there for the homegirl. And she's got a lot of issues. Okay, there's another tie-in. Annie's sister happens to be tied into the Casper parties and stuff. Okay. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, you know, basically it's like walking through a weeds and your socks get full of cockerbirds and let's just see what, how much we can put all this together. This is just over the top. Damn, that was a country-ass comparison. Comparison? Like Jeez. <laughs> I know we're living currently in Mississippi, but yeesh. Come on, man. Come on. Don't be hating. <laughs> Don't be hating. Anyway, um, we're going to move on now since you want to come on, you go against us on that kind of crap. Anyway, um, Elvis shows up. You realize Elvis is a good guy. You know he had a you know affection for her, and he's going to be do right and helps you know get the sister and dad out of town. Does the does the whole th- hug thing and tells us a record. Must get three hugs in one day. Three yeah. hugs in one day. Cool little cool little. Bet line. that's a record. Yeah, uh, Frank's with nails. Frank lets him know that hey, we're in a secret war. Uh, Jordan joins the party. He just lets her come in and seize it. And Jordan's stunned for a second, but then he lets her know they're coming after everything. They're trying to take everything we got. And she's like, what can I do? Jordan, I really enjoy Her character has stepped up to me. You know, I, she's always kind of been the, you know, what is the pessimist or the, uh, you know, the anti-move forward, uh, you know. But this time... I, don't, I think she might be the most normal person in the show. Touche. No doubt. There is no is doubt. She, is there anyone else not acting in a normal fashion? I mean, yeah. she's really the one that's reacting in the most human and everyday person fashion. Most level. There's no doubt. Yeah. I mean. No doubt. Good point. Um, he tells her, go with nails. You, you know, get out of there. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Cool. Then he visits a diamond broker. Um, this had a lot of conversation online as well as some articles and so on. People were really confused like Frank was selling diamonds, and that's not the case. He was in there trying to see what kind of diamonds he was going to get. And, of course, you want to get low quantity, high quality for best bang for your buck. And he's looking at diamonds anywhere from a half million to three quarters of a million dollars. And basically, you get the whole inference that when he is going to rob Osip of his $12 million and he wants to convert it to diamonds, international currency, so when he gets out of Dodge. Um, and the guy tells him, well, you know, hey, I know what you're doing here. This is fast cash. I don't want to, part of, I don't want to be a part of that. But then he agrees, well, 40% of the cut. And, you know, uh, Frank reluctantly, but I think he didn't, you know, didn't realize he has a choice. You know, but hey, 40%, $12 million, Dropping off five million of it. Yeah, ouch. You know, that's still six mil. Six get million out. in South America. Yeah, you're Venezuela, rolling. Here we come. Yeah. You're rolling in it. Yeah, and of course, you know, like I said, he goes to see the travel agents, and he uh, goes to see his arm. Are these are these Turkish or Turkish, yeah. Turkish bakery? And he wants, uh, you know, a couple cars. He wants a clean passport, and then the list. Let me tell you, I was able to get a screenshot of this list and. It's impressive. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and run through the this. I call this Frank's list of mayhem. All right. M4 automatic rifle, a Benelli M4 shotgun, Remington 870 shotgun, flash grenade times 10, 
Tear gas cans times 10. Gas masks times 2. Kevlar vests times 2. AK-47 times 2. Extra AK magazines times 4. 500 rounds per rifle weapon. And then, there's the weird thing. That whole little list right there was half the list. And then the list literally repeats itself. It goes right back to M4 automatic rifle, Benelli M4 shotgun, and so on, so on. You know, some people were claiming that since Frank is an OCD, that he just ended up writing it twice or to make sure. I didn't get that. I just, unfortunately, I really feel like they were just trying to fill a sheet of paper up with as much stuff as possible. And, and you only see you it for just, a second. Yeah. So. And you just, people, you didn't realize people were going to freeze frame this list and dissect it, unfortunately, yeah. like we are. And still, that is a heck of a list. That's a lot of firepower. I mean, for two people. I know. I mean, what are you gonna Who's do with- gonna carry? We got we got M4 shotgun and a Remington 870 pump shotgun and an M4 automatic rifle with an AK-47 rifle. We've got, I mean, you've got four <laughs> two-handed weapons. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm not sure what I mean, he's playing. Wrong. I think Frank's a beast, but you, you don't need all that. I mean. His nails just going to be his donkey that he just pulls r- guns off of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you just go. walk beside me, nails. <laughs> That's right. Just walk uh, in, Terminator. Yeah, I don't. Mm, I don't. I don't hey, I don't know. it'll all play out next Sunday. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I am hoping every single weapon gets quality use. Oh, I'm sure. I hope they all get their own scene. Yeah, I mean, I hope they're all money. Anyway, um. Then we get the th- three amigos together. We got Paul, Ray, and Annie, and they go ahead and discuss all the elements of the case and give every viewer a taste of everything they've uncovered and viewed. And they go ahead and talk about how Burris, Dixon, Casper, Hollowell um, probably were part of this diamond heist, and that was their buy-in to Vinci. They also say Capser probably kept the diamonds, and that's the reason Burris and maybe Dixon were all searching for them even before we knew they were missing. They're also talking about how that doesn't really explain why Casper's died or was killed and that that's the missing element to the puzzle. Um, And then Paul gets a sudden text, you know, again, hey, come meet me tonight, you know, pictures for sale, that, whatever. And um, he decides, hey, I got to go. This was really cool. This is what I call like a catch up to speed, you know, for anybody and everybody. Um, like you said earlier, you know, there was a lot in this, in this episode, a lot of people didn't pick up and catch on. And we spoke before the podcast and deciphered some different things. And I've noticed that's an inconsistent thing. Everybody, I listened to a couple of podcasts today from a few, uh, good podcasting crews and a lot of, all, all, both of them that I listened to said they all struggled to decipher all the information and so on. Don't get me wrong. I watched it and then I sped through some other stuff to make sure I had what I thought was correct. Um, but I guess it's just something like I enjoy those little details and I get pissed if I miss something and they later explain it. And that's just like, that's what tantalizes this show for me. And that's why I really love it and why I think it's better than most television. You know, uh, what, what about you, bro? Did you, did you miss a lot of that or was it just the finer details you took? No, I pretty much picked up on everything except for, like I said, there's a couple things like Dixon. I'm still a little woozy on Dixon. Still a little woozy on why Casper still has the diamonds after over 20 years. Me too. You know, like, why are the diamonds still anywhere near this area? You know, they should have been sold. And if they were buying their way into Vinci with them, I'm like, I just wonder why why didn't they get that money? And, like, why didn't money exchange hands? And 
Like, if they're buying their way into Vinci, why would they pay Casper instead of the Chassanis or... You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't the transactions and all that stuff. I don't. There's no. I can't find the rhyme and reason. And even even the three characters talking about well, that doesn't make sense. And that's why he has this. And well, that doesn't make sense. And so yeah, it's like why kill Casper if you're looking for the diamonds? Torture them until you find where they are. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to get a little bit more on that. I think, but we do know who the dirty players are, and that's established. Yeah, but. Do we know who Ravenhead is? No, that is the true one mystery. Um, and like you say, you say he is. It could be multiple people. It could be like that. Um, you know, I think later in the episode we're going to talk about theories, and we're going to break our usual suspect down to who do we think that person is, and who, how does this unravel? I think we really got to. This is our last chance to really throw out our true theories. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, most of our wild cards are dead. <laughs> shot to the head you know anyway just yeah, put yeah, that yeah. Out there. anyway um so we get all that then it goes back to the mayor and he's at the poker room and he's talking to this blonde and you know I, i'm a dynasty i'm the you know we're we're the mayor of this small town there you know who's in charge of la who knows but we all know who's in charge of you know vinci and he's like uh, you know can you can you hum my balls for me and all this stuff. i was like uh, what <laughs> what a sloshy drunk Slime oh, scumbag. Ball. I mean, just, yeah. ugh. I mean, he's steadily pumping the, you know, what was he drinking? Gin? Or, Gin. I was like, ugh, you know. That's pure out, just rubbing alcohol to oh, me. I mean, I'm sorry. If you love gin out there, I hate it, but it tastes like pond water to me. I'm just putting it out there. It's just tart. Yeah, nothing <laughs> for me. Anyway, I love Frank walks in, you know, and he's like, you need to wake up, sober up. You know, your boy is greasing the skids to take your seat. And, I mean, it was hitting him with some good stuff. You know, and he's like, you know, you don't tell me what time it is. You don't do you know, yeah. it. It was just a really <laughs> cool dialogue. And then uh, he lets him know, hey, you know, Osip's moving in. You're, you're, you're on the way out, and, you know. And he leaves, you know, and uh, that was really new. Why – Osip's walking up. Why does he put the gun on the counter? I didn't understand that. Would I just have easier access if he needed to? Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't understand this. I mean, he was surrounded by six armed guards. I mean, what do you, I don't see yourself shooting yourself out of that with all this public around. Absolutely not, but I think he was going to put one in Osip if he had to. Yeah. If he knew that they were like, we're going to go out back and talk. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to die, I'm taking you first. Yeah. yeah. What's he got to lose at that point? So, yeah. uh, I, that, I guess that makes sense now because at the time I was like, hmm, you know, he's he's playing dumb and coy. You know, this isn't going to go down. Okay, this was a little. I didn't hate the scene, but I really like the guy that plays Osip. Dude. Yeah. You yeah, know, no doubt. and. To hear, like, see his face sometimes is like, ah, Frank knows clubs, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, you don't know? Don't do that. Don't and Frank, do that. And Frank playing, you know, just kind of lame about it, you know, just. Oh, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, you know, taking his whippings and stuff. I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like Asa, like they say, you know, he's half shark, half anaconda or whatever. Yeah. I feel like he would see through that. Yeah, I'm with you. And. I don't know. I don't, I feel like he, the way he's played it the whole season, where he plays real coy, and you know talks about how he answers to somebody, but he always plays everything really cool and calm and collected. This time, I feel like he got a little too excited about everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You know, he's like, yeah, they, you know, 
my people back home told me to take you out. You know, I said, Frank knows business. Yeah. Know? And I was like, Eey. I don't know. It's like, I know what you're saying. It was cheesy. It was, it was a little che- cheese. Those two little, che- those two little phrases. Yeah. Considering Osip, like you said, has been so deceptive the entire time. Yeah. You know, and you barely smiles and different things. And, you know, he's always seemed like he's always had the upper hand and cunning. This was very, like you said, it was just a little too much cheese. In yeah. Yeah. And it takes just a hair bit out of how much of a badass I think Osip is. You know, you think Russian mafia, Russian mobsters. I mean, in cinema and TV, they are always played as ruthless yeah, dudes. I mean, they're the kind of guys who put two in you and tell you what they thought and then put two more in you. There was never a discussion before that. You know, it was, I just, you know, they're always just ruthless dudes and I don't ever, I don't want to see them go cheese. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Paul is on his way to his trap, as he calls it. Calls Ray and says, hey, I'm about to, you know, look, I'm walking into a trap. And he's like, Ray's like, well, don't go. Don't do it. Yeah. You know, and then he looks up and sees Miguel and he's like, call you back. And I was like, I was really surprised to see Miguel here. Did this kind of throw you for a loop? Not really. Not when it when it happened. Like when I saw it, I was like, "Of course," you know. It's like I said. I just thought it was too weird that he was in town. Yeah. You know that he's around, which is why I had him as my wild card. Yeah, and we learned that the reason he was in town is because Black Mountains slash new name whatever. He was hired to keep tabs on him to make sure that he wasn't going to squeal about the things they did at Black Mountain, confirming that they did some bad stuff. Yeah, but what does that have anything to do with Catalyst? I still don't understand. Well, he said, you know, our mission was here was to make sure you didn't blab about things we did while we were labeled as Black Mountain because they had the paparazzi after you and everything else. And then he goes... When we got re-imaged, the renamed like that, our sole client is Catalyst. You know, you've created this situation. You need to come downstairs and work it out. You know, and so that's when he says, you know, isn't it isn't a crazy coincidence that when we cleared Dixon's stuff and found pictures of you and Miguel here, that this would could be used as a you know a tool. You know, considering that these documents have been taken and we know you got them. And so it made sense. It was just another coincidence, another another cockerbur in the sock. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I don't know. And then Holloway walking in and saying, I hear you've been looking for me or asking questions about me. And I'm like, when now, was- That's going back to Miguel being behind him at the computer desk in the Hall of Records. That's what that is. Remember there was a shadowy figure behind okay, him? Okay, I thought that was Burris. I did too, but when I watched it on the second time, um, you'll see a scene where you see Miguel walking behind Paul, and you can see the hair, the neckline, the way it's cut, and you can see it's more a little bit cleaner, and you can figure out that it's Miguel based on that shadowy figure and okay. not Burris. Plus, he was wearing the coat to match. You know, and Burris is always in a three-piece, and so you, and it's gray and a distinction. You know, you notice right. that every time you've seen Burris, he's in a gray three-piece. That I think. And then every time you see kind of Miguel, he's in a, some kind of a sport coat or something of that nature. You know, I think they do that kind of stuff on purpose. Yeah, maybe. I mean, not something I caught on. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you said, he's go, he goes down there and he talks um, to – this is Vinci's police chief, Hollowell, or Holloway. I can't remember exactly what it is. And he talks about these random information. You see these tunnels that go through everywhere down here. And I thought he was leading to something, but maybe that has a key piece of information for the finale. 
But that kind of moot considering the guy who just found out about the tunnels is no longer alive. So I was like, why give that information? Why is that even used in a dialogue here? Does it just give background about the city? Filler? I don't have a clue, honestly. And I really I enjoyed the the firefight and the running and stuff like that. That, that was fun. It seemed cool. realistic. You yeah, know, well like done. it wasn't out of the realm. You know, I really expected the Paul to get winged. I really thought he was going to at least have one hole in him somewhere. Well, when he was running down the the track part, looked like you know, kind of like a subway track part, and they were just firing from behind him. I thought for sure maybe he'd he'd take one in the shoulder or something. Um, but then to use him, Miguel as a human shield, and oh yeah, that was sweet. Know, that was awesome. And then gets then into the headshot, and I like, got brains on his face and yeah, stuff. I was yeah, like, oh. I thought this was really cool. But how how did Burris know what door he was? This is out? what pissed me off. Okay, here's another thing. He did not come out the same way he went in. So even if Burris oh, no. saw him go in, how in the heck would he know to be behind that door? Behind, uh, you know, I just that blows my mind. And then all these, there was nothing against military or people who were really into how you do, you know, break-ins. And there, I heard all this gossip about check your corners, check your corners, you know, and you know everybody was complaining that Paul didn't check his corners when he left the door, and that's why Burris shot him in the back. And I was like, really, really? I mean, I'm like people no. taking it to the next level. With you this gotta kind of assume he. He's assuming that he killed everyone in the building. Yeah. And that he was just taken off for freedom. You know, I mean. Yeah. All right. Did he kill Hollowell, the, the chief, with all those, you know. No. You don't think he. No. People, uh, I don't, a lot of people said he took at least four shots of a gun to the head. You know, not like pulled the trigger, but I mean like really, really beat him to death. Because like he was out. I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I would think, yeah, he's out cold, but I don't think he's dead. Oh no, I bet he's knocked unconscious for sure. But I don't, I don't think he's dead. No. Uh, I, um, when I first saw him as the character, it was the surprise reveal in the tunnel. It was a surprise, but not a positive one for me. I was like, okay, yeah, he was at the orgy party, and yeah, he I guess he's the mediator between Catalyst and this Black Mountain crew, and it shows you that Catalyst has got a inside man in the Vinci you know, part, and I was just really, it, it was kind of underwhelming, I hate to say that way, but you know, and then the, his whole dialogue was weak. Um, the part I really enjoyed, like you said, the firefight and the all those little incidents. Did you, did you get that? Did you, did you kind of feel that way at all? Or did you feel like it was just, I don't know. Was it a big shock to you? No, it really wasn't a shock. Um, I really wasn't sure why he was the one kind of with the Black Mountain guys. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he was kind of a, a middleman from the plot for Ray too. So you did, you did see him early on a lot more. You just kind of forget about it, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's kind of like, are we going to see Paul's lieutenant anytime soon? You know, the one that's always in his corner, you know, fighting for him. Yeah, maybe. You know, I don't know. Well, before he goes up the tunnel and to his ultimate demise, it actually cuts back to Frank, and he tells him to clear the casino. There's a gas leak. Do it now. And he goes over there, and 
robs the safe of its cash and tears a gas line off and sets some laundry on fire and then watch that mother burn. And well, first he steps out and oh yeah yeah Russian yeah. bodyguards. Well, you know he turned all this stuff and you know he's like, "Where's the gas leak?" And he's like, "Over there!" Pow! And blows Man, his just mu- head super off. quick. Yeah, yeah, it was slick. You yeah, know. well done, very, very well slick. done. Um, and then it goes. It has a quick jump cut to. Have, uh, Paul's mom and Emily watching TV, and then it cuts away again. And then, of course, you, Paul slips the chief, beats him down to go through the firefight, and then he's going up the ladder. And then it cuts away to this Ray and Annie deal where they're sitting there talking to each other, uh, the chair, each other at this table, one to one at a table. Hint, hint. And it has these, like I said before, there's really cool camera and lighting where they're just right there at in their face, inches away, and having the googly eyes at each other and uh you know then all of a sudden the you know the hand touching and the the thumb rubbing and you know i did not like this (laughs) (laughs) i mean they uh, just went too long the eye stuff went too long oh it was yeah it was it was taking its time now where colin farrell's looking to the left and then it's just like uh, are you looking at me? <laughs> like looks over and it's like and Colin Farrell's got some dead eyes, son. I mean, they are black. And you know, she's like, "You're not a bad guy," and he's like, uh, "Yes, I am." <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and these pickup lines were uh, subpar at best. <laughs> Just like <laughs> this, what does it for you, Annie? I guess. I mean, whatever. But uh, I did not love that and then even worse when they pulled back and they were just kind of hugging yeah it like, was kind of like a real awkward like intimacy. awkward hug like i was expecting yeah, to have her like her butt out to the side like i'm gonna just hug you to the side here yeah <laughs> it was not good yeah like the kissing starts at the ear and through the hair just, and then kind of like yeah, it, was just, it was like two teenagers who have never touched another person going at it you know like yeah. i'm not really sure where i should be starting or where i should be doing and it was it was really it was kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Very <laughs> okay. weird. Very uh, weird. Yeah, all right. Uh, then it, you know, like I said, Paul's going up the ladder. He's about to go outside. And then it cuts back to Ray and Annie, and now they're back to the hugging, and kissing, and um, Frank gets the money from the safe, and then burns, gets the alcohol, pours it everywhere, and burns the. Um, I guess is is this the poker? No. The other club. This is the club. And um, so he's got a bag full of cash, and he gets up to this room and has this view of of everything burning and enjoying every second of it. And then it goes to the last part where Paul didn't check his corner and goes out the door, and, of course, there – Burris. I I was telling my wife the whole time, Paul doesn't make out of this. There's There's something more to it. I told him, I said, either he's going to get mortally wounded and he's going to die before he gets to the other crew or he's just going to, he's going to die. And uh, my wife and I debated this. And then soon as it had that Leon, the professional moment where he yeah. walks out and sees the exit in the distance. And I was like, oh, he's toast. And sure enough, there's the 45 and Burris walks out and plugs him in the chest. And... um I'd have been I'd have been really throwing some kudos around if you see Paul like looking forward and then having the quiet flash and, and then, then him kind down. of slowly the camera acting like it's falling <laughs> like Leon did and instead of F you it's Matilda yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah really 
this is for Matilda. Um, you know, he takes a shot and he turns around, and tells Matthew, and then just starts crawling real fast towards this gun. And he keep and he keeps mumbling, you know, like "Don't shoot me twice! Don't shoot me twice! Don't shoot me twice!" Was he? Yeah. If you look at it, like you hear him say it real faint, right as he get, you know, gets to the gun, and then he, he plugs him, you know, one shot to the head there. I didn't hear any of that, you know. And um, of course, Burris grabs his gun, uh, his uh, phone, gets up, and hops up to the cruiser, and adios, muchachos. Um, and then credits. Uh, they really got to do some explaining on how Burris knew what door he was coming out. And that uh, door was locked. He had to, like, bang it open, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, he just happens to be sitting in that corner in no. the shadow. No. No. That was tu- uh, they, a weak part. And he just got through saying these tunnels lead all over the city. Yeah. And he didn't he come anywhere. where he came. Yeah. You know. And how would Burris even know that they were in a gunfight in the in, in the lower tunnels? Uh, Unless yeah. they would have, if they could have just shown Holloway waking up from his pistol whipping and calling him and be like, he's headed up the ladder on the, you know, uh, yeah. at Give the end of the street. And they'd be like, okay, that would have worked. But then it wouldn't have had that surprise element and him getting shot in the back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but been it's like, such oh, you're a, walking into another trap. Pow. You it's know? such a hole, though. I know. Like, it's, it's a just huge not, plot hole. I mean, unless he has some tracking device on him and he's wearing some special goggles to trace him. I mean, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like. It. I mean, they did so well. Like you talk about the dust flying into April's car and stuff. I'm just like, you hit all these little details, and then that is such a. It's a bridge too far. There's yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and God, I really, really enjoyed this episode, but that that really just put a slight damper on it. That, like you said, the uncomfortable love scene at the end and how it was so long pauses and stares and really weird affection showing. Ugh. And then, of course, Burris just being in the perfect place, perfect time, which makes no sense. Yeah. Those are two things that definitely hurt it because before all that, I really enjoyed a lot of the finer details and everything in the episode, and it was really, really entertaining and by far the best episode of the season and makes me salivate that much more for the next one. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm super excited for the finale. Yeah. I'm really, really pumped. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Um, let's, let's go with a little feedback. Um, we had some great comments sent in via email and some Twitter. Um, a guy named uh, Ray G says that uh, just what you just said, Paul's death was crap. How did Burris know where he was and, and how he'd come out of that door? It's not the one he's saying came in. This is where the writing really sucks and is what brings the show down compared to the first season. So uh, I'm not going to use to say that comparison to the first season stuff because I think this has really set itself apart, you know, in a completely different light. But yes, I think we basically said this was a big misstep, a big miscue when it comes to this whole setup and scene. Yeah, I'm not going to say season one was perfect either. I'm sure it had plenty of yeah, little... Rage, we, we actually agree with you. Uh, Jeremy says, did you notice Paul died like Leon the Professional? This is where I got that information earlier. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. We thought that was pretty cool. Um, Brian, uh, here's a theory. Laura, a.k.a. Erica, uh, that was something we didn't mention in the rundown. 
Uh, there was a little scene where Ray goes, oh, I've seen this girl. That's Casper's assistant, Erica. But then they say, like, Laura, and that's where you get the connection. Um, theory, Laura, Erica in quotations, Casper's assistant is the orphan girl and the photographer from the movie set that Ray just happened to talk about and have all the information is the orphan boy and potentially the raven mask. So that's that's theory. We'll talk about that in the usual suspects deal with that. Uh, Zach says the diamond broker um, was Jewish. Um, after seeing the name and the pictures of the kids, you can determine that maybe the parents that were killed were also Jewish. They make that correlation. Uh, so that means the orphan kids were Jewish, and so this automatically ex-nays Jasana's kids as possibly being the orphan's kids. thought this was a cool uh, cool little tidbit um, that a lot of people haven't noticed. Yeah, because I definitely thought the kids looked Latino, yeah, so I was I looking at Latino people. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I never made that correlation, and I'm happy you said something, Zach. That was, I was on the money. Um, Adam says, um, Paul is a dumbass. Wear a vest if you know you're going into a trap. <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. He, I mean, he did die from a headshot, but I guess he wouldn't, uh, you know, been somewhat incapacitated if he, you know, shot in the back with a vest on. I don't think it would have gone any different. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, he would have blown his knees out or something, and then shot him in the head. Yeah. Uh, Rhonda says uh, Vince knocked it out of the park this episode. Finally, a non-slog writing and all action. Uh, part for him and this is why the episode was amazing and really propelled him as a serious actor for drama thought that was pretty cool absolutely like i said this is definitely the episode that did the most for vince yeah so there there, there is no doubt there absolutely no doubt really really appreciated that guys appreciate the feedback on that I'm, i kept it short i want to keep i want to move into some other stuff we're going to do some information try to do like a catch-up and an understanding of everything um you know the the show has done a over sensory of information you know so much so much to try to remember so many different characters and it's a lot going on so you know the the key points here is is that they've definitely described that Vinci is truly corrupt from the mayor down to the entire police department and enlisting even so much as Frank uh, the political corruption the orgies is you know all the way to the top with the catalyst and this rail deal that has you know has feelers that go all the way to Tony and Blake Ossip is part of it Pitler and his girls uh, and including the attorney general the Vinci chief and Ben Casper all intertwined in this corruption for the rail deal um the you know the related uh, past corruption of the '92 riot murders. You understand that Burris, Dixon, Hollowell, and Casper were players even back then, and that uh, you know these jewelry people were killed and diamonds came missing. Uh, you even also find out, like we said earlier, the Black Mountain is even involved, and they're the solo client of Catalyst. So, um, who do you think killed Davis? I just I didn't throw that out there. You know, uh, who do you who would you predict? No, I, I still think it's Burris. You think Burris was here? You know, yeah. part of me was like maybe Black Mountain was cleaning up loose ends. Um, no, because what I look at is when when they were searching Casper's house, Burris was there, which is probably when Burris picked up the watch and a couple other things for what's her name to start pawning. Then Colin Farrell comes home, Burris is at his house, you know waiting on him and that's probably when he could have got one of his sidearms you know yeah, something to link him to the murder 
for the frame, yeah. Right. So I'm assuming that Burris is just that's what he's good at, you know. I can see that. Absolutely. You know, and so that kind of leads us into the situation of here. All of our key players, what is their current current situation going into the finale? Uh, Ray currently is now a fugitive and is possibly framed for the murder of Special Investigator Davis. Uh, Annie is considered a fugitive and is wanted for questioning for the killing of a security guard. There's even an APB out for her. Paul is now deceased. Frank is halfway through his exit strategy. Um, he's already gotten tickets to Venezuela. He's got a passport in production. He's getting guns to rob Osip of his $12 million. Um, he's burned down his clubs, and he's already killed one of the three people who has betrayed him, uh, in which I would say the three, you know, Blake, Tony, Osip, um, and so uh, he's definitely in production there. Uh, the mayor has come into play. Now he's aware that his son is trying to backslide into his seat, and, and we don't know his intentions. Osip and, um, has purchased liens, but now that there are burned down liens, and he has a $12 million deal coming up and can probably assume that Frank is at the cause of these two fires and is probably going to be wanted as a dead man. Uh, Catalyst and them, uh, you can imagine their deal is probably in jeopardy. The paperwork still missing, and the hard drive is still not found. Um, Burris uh, seems to be handling what he considers loose ends. We believe that he's covering up uh, the murder from 22 years ago and probably still looking for another piece of the element we don't know yet. If he's looking for money or he didn't get his deal or whatever. Um, Tony, we haven't seen him in an episode or two. We don't know what his certain say, current situation is. And then, of course, Jordan, she's in hiding with nails. Um, so that kind of wraps up where everybody's going to be starting out once we come back for the 90-minute the season finale, you know, which is pretty sweet. Um, I, I'm pretty pumped that it's going to be an hour and a half, and which is kind of surprising. It, it makes me feel like we got a lot more to learn when you have an hour and a half coming. Well, I just think they have a lot of people to wrap up. I mean, with Special Agent Davis or whatever being killed, that's only going to draw attention to me. Right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm assuming that some of these people are going to end up in handcuffs. You know what I mean? You're going to have that scene of the big slow-mo of people getting their house is raided and pulled out in handcuffs. You know what I mean? So, I also look at, like, Mayor Tassani. What's he going to do now that he knows his son has been trying to play him? To go and kill his son? That ends the Tassani dynasty right there. Yeah, that's true. But there's also his daughter, who got too much screen time to just all of a sudden be gone now. So I could see her you know, killing both of them, you know, for what happened to her mother. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's some loose ends too. Her mother and Ela Elliot's uh, uh, wife. Another major loose end. How about the rapist for Ray? Do we know if he's the real rapist? I mean, is he planted evidence since that, you know, the guy says he has a brain condition and they're telling me that I did bad things. He looks nothing like Chad. I mean, come on, let's be a overweight, ginger, redheaded, I mean, people were talking about Blake being it, but you know, of course, Blake, you know, doesn't come to that. Tells you that it was just some meth head that he was trying to get rid of to get him to step up. So, is this guy really the rapist, or is this just another plant or mole or you know another angle of deception? I, I don't think the the rape. It, they haven't played the rape as it being a part of the main plot. 
No. You know, and I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if they find out that Ray really is the dad. Just kind of some kind of way to twist that into a, I'm about to die, and then right before it happens, I learn that I really am the father, and then pink, pink, he's dead. You know. Whatever. Oh, no, I don't think he ever learns. I don't think he'll ever find out either way. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. Um... Well, let's let's go ahead and do our little usual suspects thing, and we'll just go ahead and neck it down to who do we not know is. And basically, uh, I think they brought up this whole orphan kid thing, and they've given you little details about the potential of the girl. Let's go ahead and say who we think is going to be the orphan girl versus, and of course, possibly the orphan guy from the picture. Now, remember... Um, they said I think they were four and eight when they the parents were killed when they hid in the store. This is a murder that's been 22 years later. You do the math, that means one's around 30 and one's around 26 years old. Okay, we've kind of given a line that Laura slash AKA Erica Casper's assistant could be the girl. What what percent you give for her being that person? I mean, almost a hundred percent because of just how much they've laid out there, you know, but judging by what I've always said could possibly be my other wild card being Scarface, the bartender. Am I willing to say that it's not her, you know, not, not a hundred percent, not her. Cause I just feel like once again, that's another character that's had too much screen time to just, poof, you know, blow away in the wind. Yeah. I mean, they, they introduced her in the beginning and then she suddenly showed up at the movie set and talking about tax documents and this and that and so on. And I, I'm 99, hundred percent. I mean, they wouldn't be keep showing her picture next to Casper and these important people holding there. If that wasn't posted, I think the big unveiling is the boy character. I think that's the one thing we don't know. You know, and who could that be? Because can you think of another female character besides Scarface or the assistant that could be the girl? Because like we said, I don't think it's Jasani's daughter. You know, no, I did. I did a little bit there for a little bit, but I don't. No, I don't think it's Jasani's daughter. Uh, man, not really. I can't think of another female character, especially one that hasn't been in there enough to say is even credibly a, a choice. And still, is are we thinking that it's possible the female character is the Ravenhead? Because it still appears to be a man's body. Yeah, the- I think it's a male shooter. I think it's a you know I think it's a tag team between the boy and the girl. But the the male is the one that shoots Ray, doesn't kill him, but it also is the one that firebombs the car and all that stuff. So that that's that angle, you know. Yeah. Let's let's break down the potential of who could be the Ravenhead or, you know, the orphan child. Okay, well, first of all, let's go. Who's the orphan child? We're not going to worry about Ravenhead yet. You know, do you you have a theory on anybody? A character? I'll tell you two popular online right now are the photographer at the movie set. The one that just suddenly has all this information. And it kind of makes sense because he gives Ray a ton of information about parties and girls and you know people who have been at these parties and who you can interview and really gives them a direction for the interview for the investigation and so in my mind god i hate to say this but like 
of all the characters we got that we've made connections to, I'm giving him at least 75% chance of being the orphan kid, the guy. I'll let him be the orphan kid, but I don't want him to be the shooter because that's it's too weak to me. Like, he showed him for what? Three minutes in one episode, and then you're going to, oh, is that the second episode? Yeah, and you realize at the end of that episode, you know, Ray gets shot. Now, if the killer or the Ravenhead was trying to preserve Ray to stay alive, who would know that Ray would be a cop prior to him entering that house? I think that's a key piece of information because this person looks like they're trying to solve, in my opinion, the reason you keep Ray alive is because you're trying to blow open this case and get evidence and you're not trying to kill cops. You All you want to do is kill Casper, you know? And so the orphan kid has something to gain by doing that, you know? And so... But Casper's already dead. Right. He died of a heart attack during a torture, and then he was mutilated afterwards by making, removing his eyes and blowing his junk off. And it was symbolic... You know, and I think, you know, to make people look into it a lot more serious considering he was a dirty player and trying to uncover the corruption and everything else. And so that's why I say, you know, the orphans are definitely probably your your motivated killers for him. And, I mean, that that's, that's the most plausible. But like you said earlier before we even potted, there is a chance that Maybe the other cops were torturing him to try to figure out where the diamonds were or different things like that, and he died suddenly, and then they needed to cover up and shot him and made it look like it was. And the orphan kids have nothing to do with it, or they're just a subplot of the overall. But I I think it's more interesting if the orphan kids are the ones that come back, because then you have a really cool reveal, you know, and that's what's going to make the show give you that, oh my gosh, wow, that's super cool, and then everything else going into it at once. So the only other person I can think of that could possibly be the orphan kid um, that maybe could be a player on all this is remember Jasani had an assistant that did it was his mouthpiece every time Annie and Ray went in there to question him in his office. Problem with him was I thought he was older than thirty. You know he looked a little bit older. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's once again it's just it's such a thin character, such a tiny amount of screen yeah you only saw him for the first two episodes you don't see him ever again after that it's just i don't know man i want i want it to be a powerful reveal and you want it to be a more meaningful character that you know would be even more shocking all because they have to prove why he wasn't killed why was ray left alive yeah what's the intention yeah was it Burris? Because Burris obviously has no problem just killing left and yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you know me. I was all 100% Burris was the Raven Man. You know, I've been saying, I've been preaching that for three episodes. And technically it's still possible, but by him killing Paul really dilutes my theory. And the thing of it is, is Ray is a major loose end as far as the corruption is concerned because Ray knows all about this stuff. Right. And then the Raven mask, the hard drive was there. Ray gets shot. The hard drive is no longer there. And so Burris, you know, I kind of thought he was a good guy 
and that he was doing his own thing inside of all the corruption and so on. But that's done, poof, you know, in a cloud of smoke. So, I mean, I'm just having a hard time. I'm really having a hard time understanding why the hard drive has not surfaced or there hasn't been more to that yet. No, I think the hard drive is going to be the nail in the coffin for the catalyst people. I agree. But could it be the saving grace for our characters? Oof. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Um, I don't see Ray sticking around. Like, I don't think that's possible. Right. I'll address that when we get to the preview. Um, okay. Who's the Raven shooter? Got anybody? Uh, at this point, I got a man. I guess there's narrow options here. Yes. All right, I'm going to throw a wild card. Is it Elvis? No. All right. We don't think it's Chisani's assistant. It could be the the orphan slash photographer, maybe. It's thin. Um, still a slim chance it's Burris. We just don't know why. Um, could have been Miguel, and he took a header. You know, like you said, maybe he still was, and <sighs> Erica is going to come out now that she's lost her brother. Yeah, that's that's a Ass. huge coincidence. Yeah, I that'd be ultra thin. Maybe um, Chisani's son, little Chisani. Um, do we know if he's adopted or that's his real child? I think it's his real. I mean, his Chisani name and stuff. I'm assuming it's his real son. And ah, uh, I just. I know it. I mean, it's just so thin. I, I begin. I think Burris is probably the top of the list. But once again, he's pretty old to be running through firebombing cars and yeah. running from two cops. Uh, and God, I hate to say that the photographer kid is on the top of my list. Ugh. I know it. I mean, that's. You know, the sad thing if it, if it is him, is that a good enough reveal? No, not to me. Yeah, not to me because... I'm really concerned. They're going to really have to twist that to make it amazing. Because say he is the orphan kid. They didn't introduce the orphans until episode six. six. You know, it's like, come on, man. You can't just throw in that wild card at the end. Well, just like you said, Jasani's kid, remember, we've already seen him changing his accent, doing an acting gig, different things of that nature. None of it explains why he was left alive, which is makes me lean more towards Scarface chick because she obviously has some kind of affection, you know, yeah, towards I, him. It just doesn't look like a female. It maybe. doesn't. I'm, I'll be honest. It does not. I mean, there was a website I was showing, and they were showing like steel pictures of the the physique of the person and like that. I just got no vibe. It was a female. No, it looks more like a lanky dude yeah i mean i was sold on burris and so that really got me on that one uh well um we'll call that unusual um i say we just go ahead and make our final theory and then we're gonna call it for the for the big one all right we'll just say of the three remaining characters left where are they at end of the season um Ray's the only one that makes it. I know that's crazy, but for some reason, I think it needs to be different. I don't see I don't see Frank completing his mission. But I'll be honest with you, I'd be more impressed with the show if all three cops died and Frank got away. 
if him and Jordan got away, I would be like, that's an awesome redemption for a guy who was a thug and a badass and all that other stuff. And they're trying to set up his big deal and he was getting screwed from every angle and he gets redemption across the board. But I just don't see it. I see him somehow him and Frank getting together on this assault, you know, and realizing they have to work together to create, you know, to get their lives where they needed to be. And it, it doesn't end pretty. How do they wrap up the rape case with Ray? Because he, in this episode, he asked, I need my name. We still don't have a name. He said some meth head. I think what happens is is that the paternity test comes back. It's his, but he never finds out. So there is no rape. The rapist doesn't is null and void. I man, I just don't. I mean, what do you think you about can't it? Square that? How do you square that? Because we've That's met the supposed rapist in prison. Exactly, but he looks nothing like him in the whole nine yards. Yeah, she got raped, but it was never. It was never his kid. It was actually Ray's. And that just makes it that much more gut-wrenching that he done his, thrown his life to garbage when the reality of it is it was his real kid. And he killed somebody that was the wrong person as well as the real rapist didn't even impregnate her and that really was his child. And so he, the opportunity was there for being a good man. And who did he kill? Just that meth head that, owed, that uh, Blake owed money to. But does that character come back in any form or fashion? Nah, it's, it's over. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like they still need to wrap up the rapist part. Whether I mean, it's Ray gets arrested and he's in prison with him. You know, and just... Nah. You know. I think, the, I think, I'll be honest with you, I think the rapist thing's over. I think we might get the paternity test. We might not. I think it's a loose end. I think we're going to be mad about it. Yeah, that'll stress me out if they don't wrap that up in some form or fashion. Um... I can't imagine Ray living through this thing, but I think he's going to for some reason. Yeah. Once again, I think Scarface is going to have something to do with it. I think they drop in that little Easter egg of her inviting him to Costa Rica or wherever it was. Yeah, Venezuela. Oh, yeah. Man, here's the stereotypical ending. Annie and Ray survive. Frank dies. And... Everything gets broken wide open, um, you know, and that's how it goes down. But I think Nick's really going to shake it up. I mean, both your main characters survived in the first season, you know, rolling out of a hospital in a wheelchair. You know, I no way he goes anywhere near that. Gosh, I hope not. Shake it up, you know. It's not going to bother me, you know. If they realize the only way out of this is – shoot your way out and die because the rest of the time you're going to be running for your lives it's not worth it something of that nature you know what I mean um, I don't know I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hope Frank wins I hope Frank you know gets his revenge and gets out of Dodge you know I, I really do man that'll be tough to see because he's going into a gunfight so I'll be curious to see how that turns out very Annie yeah. I have this weird feeling that something's going to happen to her sister like I can't drop the Elliot stuff just completely, and do we learn who the guy was that molested 
Annie back in the day because she can remember his face now? Or is that just something to just add to the story? Just something to add to our character. Okay. No, I mean, we, yeah, we won't get any more about that. I mean, I don't even know who the guy is. He was just a passing stranger. Yeah, just... No, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like I said, uh, the reality of it is is that do you see all three characters living? Let me ask that question. No. Okay, me neither. I think we're going to have another death. It's potentially more than likely Frank, but I'm hoping not. I'm hoping it's a, a shake-up of what's the norm, and that's what I'm looking forward to. We've got an hour and a half. Uh, it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, other than that, uh, I think – we're good, man. I just yeah, uh, I think it's just that time for that ninety-minute special and a culmination of a great episode, of a great season. Uh, right after a great episode, um, we want to say goodbye to Paul Woodrow, you know, aka Taylor Kitsch. Uh, oh yeah, if, if for some reason he gets up, you know, and uh, <laughs> grazed his skull or no. you know he survives, no. I'm immediately turning the TV off. I'm gonna let you know that right now. He Anarchy. Have, he wouldn't have survived that chest wound. I know it. Center mass. Blake spitting blood up within 10 seconds of a gut wound. Paul takes one through the sternum. I mean, that's probably yeah. through the heart. And I mean, he's chugging along on the floor. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah no, no. no, he's done. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But it just, I'm swear, it, you know, for some reason he rolls over and goes, help. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Turn the TV off. Anyway, um, Guys, man, it's been awesome. Uh, this is seven, like I said, the seventh episode. We're gonna call it here and do about a three-second pause, and then we're gonna go into the, the preview, which the preview was rather extensive this time, going into the ninety-minute special. But we won't spend about five minutes on it. Uh, if it's not something you're interested in, if you consider it spoiler-esque, don't don't stick around. Um, but other than that, we're gonna call it right here, and we appreciate you. Keep sending us the feedback. Please give us keep keeping these positive reviews. We really appreciate it. You can always reach us at at bleed tv podcast on twitter as well as bleed tv podcast at gmail.com um as well as our website is bleed tv.podbean.com thank you so much here's our three second pause all right the preview uh was big time man i had to sit there in slow-mo over and over and over because there's a ton of flashes but starts off of course with these really cool picture of the overpasses and the sound effects really has some unique in-depth music and let you know there's a 90 minute special um it shows really quick flashes of like annie walking around with a gun searching for stuff and then there's a picture of some handcuffs that are not being that are partially used hanging off a pipe in a room and they're talking about we need some confessions we need some evidence um and then it goes into where it shows Ray like lift this curtain back and he sees a table loaded down with all of our guns on that list. And this is gets my blood my blunt pumping, man. What if Ray and Frank are the two people going in there on the assault? How cool would that be, you know? Yeah, you could easily see him with Ray being on the lamb now to be like because Jordan's with nails. Yeah, that's Frank's only other guy. Yeah. So if Frank assumes he's bringing Ray in for this, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, and if Frank so you- tells him, "Hey, I got a chunk of money for you. Get the hell out of Dodge." Yeah, I got an exit strategy. Help me out. Plus, I got your name. Blake was the guy who fed me bad information. I killed him. Yeah. You know, and so there, it's plausible they become a, a pair. 
on this situation. Very plausible. And that would be badass. What if Frank gives the name Ossip? Or one of Ossip's dudes or something? That would be sweet, but sorry at the same time. I know. And then Frank needs to die. Then Frank puts him on the hook. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? I'm just putting it out there. If he uses that card to get an ally... Then he needs to die. Yeah, that's low. But that's, I'm just low. saying. You know, hey, it's out there. It's potential, man. And of course, the next scene, you see a Range Rover on fire, like grenade bombed in the whole nine yards. So you know there's some something going on. Yeah. That could be anything, though. That mm-hmm. that could be whatever. And they're just trying to you know tease you that there is a big firefighter or gun, but whatever. Um, then it goes back there like a little scene of Ray and Annie searching through this, what looks to be an old house or Winnebago or something. Um, and then you see money being exchanged and you see those, um, the rovers in the background that have for, you know, like, like it's an initial exchange of something, but it's not a big enough amount of money in like millions. It's, you know, a single envelope, you know, so I don't know what that's about. So there's more payoffs or something. I don't know. It does. There's more to the story before, I guess the big 12 million hand drop. So I don't, I don't know. Um, and then it shows Burris like walking and he's on the phone and I got the feeling like he's got Paul's phone and he's trying to figure out where our other two main characters are. Right. Cause they need those contracts. They need that paperwork. That's the wild card. I mean, that's the, you know, that, that, that's his only, that's the only leverage they got is that paperwork. Yep. Otherwise, special investigator at Davis is. Just murdered, basically, you know, exactly. and they have nothing to tie. Yeah, you know, me personally, I'm I go somewhere to make copies of all that stuff and send it everywhere, everywhere, every news organization. I do a Shawshank. I mean, I'm <laughs> sending it to news. I'm sending it here. I put it in a safe deposit box. I leave notes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I got your copy right here. You know, still uh, in its green folder, exactly. right here for you. Yeah, <laughs> kept it mint, not even been a corner. <laughs> Um, and then of course it's you know Frank and Jordan are talking it's a quick flash of them and then Frank walks up to the and then you see Frank walk up to the mayor's house the car with the door wide open nobody there and then you see him like snatch the mayor's wife as she's screaming bloody murder from behind and grabs her mouth and pulls and it flashes away so I'm I'm really pumped here that Frank might walk into the mayor's place and just clean house you know, time to play daddy here and just take care of business. You don't tell me what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. Well, who's the last guy? Little, t- little Tusani. Yeah, Tony. He's the last one that hadn't had his dues paid. Exactly. Are you screwing me? No. Welcome yeah. to my world. Yeah. I'm, so that, I could see Little Tusani going first on the way to the awesome handoff that night. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking within the first 10 minutes, we get Frank rolling up into the mayor's place. Yeah. Tony, you're toast. And with the car, with the door open, so like that, that's probably the mayor in his car going to, you know, Oh yeah, work yeah, over he, his son. Exactly. For, he pulled up, drunk, got out, left the door wide open, and he's inside. Yeah. And he's going to go in there and take care of business. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see with the pool they've already kind of shown that you see... Big Jasani like drowned in the pool. Yeah, you know what I mean. Son took care of dad, and now it's time to take care of the son. Right, right. Yeah, he had an accident. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know that that'd be sweet. 
Then here's the bomb. Just boom. I just mind blown. We're talking about Colin Farrell on a cowboy hat. Yes. On the escalator. <laughs> on the escalator. Did you, this, this ridiculous get up that he's in. I mean, like, really? Yeah. I could see this. I mean, he's got the Canadian tuxedo coat on, you know, the you know, blue jean coat, and this enormous Mexican straw cowboy hat. Yeah, ten gallon hat. Stunner shades. I mean, it was like, really? Is this really? the airport he's at? I think it's the airport. I mean, please. Or it's the worst disguise ever at some mall that they're at. Because right after this scene, you see Annie in a ball cap and huge aviator Ray-Bans. Another cliche, you know cover up I mean for all you know they're in disguise trying to do some kind of you know tactical deal or you know some little objective they've come up with to try to clear their name or whatever but to me it looks like Ray's on the escalator to the airport at least that's what I hope you know that's why it kind of gave me a little inkling that he does make it solo out of this whole deal right you know well are we 100% positive on who the passports and stuff are going to be that Frank's getting. I think it's him and Jordan. I mean, I don't see why there'd be anybody else. What about Nails? I mean, I got love for Nails and all, but I don't know. Nails is not conflicted with all this. Yeah, but I, I screw in Nails. I think I think there's going to be some little twist. I've got a third passport. Nails didn't make it come with me. I don't well, know what it's going to be yet. That's thin. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be yet. Is it possible that Annie and Ray end up using the passports and the tickets and don't see him getting that stuff unless Frank has already got it in hand before he goes into his battle. But see, he needs the money from the battle to pay for that stuff. So I don't see True. that. I don't see that. I think the timeline messes that up. Uh, then you get a quick flash of a gold sledgehammer hitting the a post, you know, basically saying the railway breaking deal ground. is completing and yep. breaking ground. Um, and that's then, right before you're going to see a dozen cop cars pulling up on the scene and arresting everyone at the groundbreaking ceremony. Think so? Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Wow. Bold. All the people Bold. with the special investigators, you know, that's going to be Paul's legacy, basically, is the fact that that contract and all that stuff got to the right people. Right. And then maybe he dies a hero. Maybe. Yeah, like his name gets cleared, and you see, you know, it is future his fiance and future baby. You know, yeah, maybe gets taken care of, and yeah, you know, something we didn't mention in the rundown was there was a little quick snippet. As soon as Paul got shot, it showed a picture of his wife watching TV of this mom and little kid, and she starts crying a little yeah. bit. There was some confusion there. Some people were like, she just realized something bad happened, and she started. No, crying. no, it's the movie. And I thought, yeah, like she was like, I'm going to have a baby. This is a happy moment in life, you know, and cried for it. Which one would you go more towards? Well, the Paul's mom told her, oh, this is a great one. You'll love it. It's. A, I think she even said it may have been, it's a sad one. I got you. Okay. So, so it's more about the movie, not necessarily. Yeah. Just coincidental. Uh, and then the last quick scene, uh, well, not the last one, you see Frank in a car and somebody with a 45 breaks through the glass and like they're after him in the car. And my heart sinks in the preview. Like, crap. Somebody, you know. A glove on too, right? You know you know what it makes me thought of immediately? Made me think of the, the Mexican cartel, yeah. It made me think the cartel. Like, that's the one wrinkle 
in his plan. It because wasn't pay- you've taken away their opportunity in the clubs. Yeah. Oh, the clubs burned down. So Frank, you uh, you owe us. You know. Yeah, it could easily be the Cisco kid. Right. I know. think there's something to it. Yeah. But, but another thing too is that if you tell them that hey, Osa, this Russian, is what took a you know is taking the clubs, taking it like that. I'm going to square this up. Bring me, give me some muscle. You know, maybe he uses the cartel for his favor. Nah, nah. Okay. This that's how honestly that's how I kind of think possible Frank goes down, or he appears to be alone in the car. You know, could this be where Jordan steps up and does shoot somebody and shoots Cisco kid? What if that's Burris? Breaking through there. But it looked like more than one person there. Did you get that vibe that there was more than one person breaking through that window? I don't know. It happened so quick. It was a 45. Burris has been using a 45. Um, Like you said, a glove. Common gun. You know. I mean, I'm just thinking it could have been him. But why go after Frank? What is Frank? I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. Uh, the last little thing it shows is Annie with a gun in disguise, that really ball cap and giant aviators. And then, of course, it shows the body bag. You know, when I see the body bag, the first thing I think of is, oh, that's just going to be the opening scene of them bagging up old Paul, you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Paul. But It's what it looked like. Yeah, I mean, it's in daylight based on the lighting, so it makes you think that they're going to find him the next day and put him in a bag. Yep. That kind of stuff, you know. I think they just put it in the preview to think that, you know, give you that impression that, people are not going to make it out of this you know so i don't know but that that was a heck of a preview um it it basically gives you the inclination that we're going to wrap up a lot of stuff in 90 minutes yeah bold prediction is the same guy who molested annie back in the day is the same guy who raped ray's wife and they'll go on a tag team murder spree of that man I'm gonna have to cancel your mic. This is <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, we're gonna lose listeners. Listen to crap uh, like that. Yeah, um, that's my wild card. My yeah. wild card. <laughs> wild card. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I apologize to all the listeners at this time. No, uh, no, 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 no. Now we're gonna get the reveal of the orphan kid. The hard drive comes out into play. It's gonna be a saving grace for one or more characters. One or more of the characters will die in the finale. Osip will not live in this ending as neither will the uh, the catalyst guy die or just goes down in a bad deal. You, that's, as soon as that groundbreaking thing, you're going to see classic dust coming up and the lights flashing as they pull up and arrest everyone at that nah. scene. I'm going to go ahead and tell you my bold prediction. Bad guys win. Bad nah. guys win. I think... Um, I think Frey gets some, um, Frey, uh, Ray does a few things and thinks he does the right thing, but realizes it doesn't matter. The powers that be will always win and he's got to get out of Dodge. Um, I think Frank gets his few kills, but dies in the process. Jordan's left alone and Annie is up in the air. You know, me personally, I think it's more interesting if she dies and, you know, Ray's solo, you know, and that's why you see him the way it is and you see the groundbreaking as the evidence that the big guys the corporations always win and uh credits now now i even think you're going to get some weird stuff with 
that body bag may be that actress that got Paul in trouble in the beginning, you know, where she's just pulled out of a burning wreckage of a drunk what are you car accident. Smoking right now. I'm serious. I think they're going to wrap up a lot of little tiny loose ends as well. You're going you're going to bring up a lot of karma is what you're talking about. Yeah, I think everybody's going to get theirs. World we deserve. Yeah. Let's wrap it right there, man. Guys, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And this is uh, our podcast, and appreciate you listening. And until next week, see you then. Later. Change will come to those who have no fear. But I am not hurt, you never will.